Podcasting from Hartford, you're listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast, your place for all things Connecticut sports. And here is your host, Jared Cutler. On today's episode, you'll hear from Kevin Streelman. Kevin's most well-known around here for winning the 2014 Travelers Championship by birdieing the last seven holes of the tournament. We talk about what he likes about playing in Cromwell here at Travelers, what life on the PGA Tour is like, and at the end, the Duke grad talks a little college basketball with us. So Kevin, I, to get started here, I think everyone knows you from from your big win here at Travelers in, in 2014, but I want to go back a little bit in your career. I know you played golf at Duke. At what point uh, during your time at Duke did you start to think golf was something you could go pro in? <laughs> well... You know, a big moment for me, my senior year, I got to play with Joe Ogilvie, and Joe was on tour. He's going to be on a tour for about 14 years, but he was five years ahead of me at Duke, so he'd come back and play with us once in a while. And I remember playing with him my senior year, and I just kind of pulled him aside afterward. I just said, you know, you saw me play. You think I've got a chance at making it? And he said, you know, Kevin, um, it's really, really tough, but you hit it long enough and you putt well enough. He goes, I really think you got a, a decent shot. And that moment there, that moment there, um, really kind of gave me the belief in myself to, to at least give it a shot. And so, you know, a lot of my friends went off to wall street and, uh, you know, grad schools around the country, you know, I, I just decided to jump in my mom's Nissan Altima and head to the Dakotas and play some mini tours up there. And, you know, what would ensue would be about six years of, of grinding on the mini tours and living on people's couches and, uh, working at, you know, different clubs, caddying, picking balls, whatever I needed to do to, just make a few extra dollars and keep my dream alive of, of making it on, on tour. And my sixth trip in Q school in 2007, uh, I made it. So. Yeah. So, so you talk about that grind and then finally making that tour, you got your first win in 2013. How satisfying was it to get that win after all you'd been through leading up to that point? Uh, I meant it meant a lot. Uh, I think it was my 153rd start on tour. I'd had a few opportunities where I was leading. I had a three-shot lead in Puerto Rico on Sunday and blew that. And I just I felt a lot of peace that day. I really was going to go out and be aggressive. Um, sometimes you know, when you get up in the lead in the tournament, you can kind of play to not screw up. And you end up just making a bunch of pars and bogeys. And I said, this Sunday I'm going to play to win, and I'm going to stay aggressive. And um, that weekend I had a, a bogey-free weekend. I think it went 64-67 on the weekend. And um, ended up winning by two. So that just... It meant a lot to beat that field and to get my first win, but uh, it also gave me you know, the belief in myself that I belonged out, out here. And um, you know what would happen the next year at Hartford was probably end up being a defining moment of my professional career. But um, I don't know if it would have happened without without Tampa first. You talk about that mindset and how you had to go into that final day. You know, going to attack, going to win, as opposed to just trying to hold your ground. I think winning on the PGA Tour is probably one of the toughest uh, toughest challenges, toughest thing to win in, in sports. How tough is it actually, from your perspective, to go out on any given weekend and, and win an event on tour? Well, it's it's just so difficult because the, the competition is so high. Um, but you got to put yourself in that position first. So, uh, you know, the work off the course, the – the support of the family and friends and your team. And, um, but it, it comes down to believing in yourself. And when that moment arises, which you never know when it can happen. You know, I, you can't necessarily pick the weeks you're going to play great or the putter's going to be hot. 
you just have to be prepared for it to happen when it does. And then you can't be scared of that situation. I tell people and younger kids I work with or talk with that, you know, if you're really nervous or in a situation where you're like concerned about screwing up, you're probably in a position that you want to be in. And you probably want to be in a position where where you've trained to be at and you got to be ready to take advantage of that. And I I say to people, you can't be scared of it and you got to just go after and just try and go grab it. Because in the end, if you don't make it, at least you gave your best shot. And if you do, you know that you went out, you know, like a champ. So, and so, uh, yeah, that's just kind of, you know, the mindset you have to have when you're in that situation. And um, it doesn't work every time, but in order for it to work once, that's kind of what you need to, you need to do. So I'm curious to learn about what what a typical week is like for you when, when you get to a tour stop. You know, we know you've got the days of competition, but starting from when you get to the course, what what's it like from your perspective, uh, you know, leading into the tournament? Yep. So the priority when I get there, well, after the priority is really traveling with my wife and five-year-old and three-year-old and getting their, you know, their rooms all set up and the uh, monitors set in and, and uh, you know, making sure everyone's comfortable. The bumpers on the side of the bed so the kids aren't falling out of bed. It's kind of normal family stuff. But as far as getting to the golf course, my priority is getting my game suited for that week's course. And I, I say it's a lot like the NASCAR guys as far as they're getting their cars ready for that particular track. We have to get our games ready for that particular golf course. And so, you know, whether we're on tight Bermuda grass down in Florida or whether we're up and, you know, working off bent grass in um, Hartford, my priorities are getting the speed of the green, the speed of the greens dialed in for that week, how thick the bunkers are, how thick the rough is, what time of chipping and pitching are we going to need to be doing? Is it, you know, is it super tight? Is it super lush and thick and heavy? Is it, you just got to really take notice. So that's what we're doing on Tuesday and Wednesday is getting an idea of how the course is playing and also how far the ball's going. You know, you play at Phoenix and it's, uh, you know, practicing there next week, it'd be a hundred degrees. My five irons going 212 yards. You know, it might come up to Hartford and it's in the 60s and 70s and it's probably going 192 yards. So you've got to really adjust for the temperature, for the altitudes, and uh, you'll get everything dialed in to be the best that you can be. So, now, Talking now a little bit about your time here at Travelers, is there anything in particular that, you know, outside of, outside of the big win in 2014 that keeps bringing you back to, to come play here? Is there anything about the course, the, the way the tournaments run uh, that you particularly like here? Well, of course, I mean, Nathan Group is just the best. Your tournament director is amazing. His team is amazing. They go out of their way to be very supportive and helpful to our teams, to our families, uh, to our children. Um, you know, I grew up in a suburb of Chicago called Wheaton. It reminds me a lot of Cromwell. Uh, the golf course reminds me of Cantini, the course I grew up at. The grass is the same. Um, I mean, it's, there's no reason. I mean, it's no surprise that it's rated number one or number two PGA tour events by the players, you know, year after year, um, because your community comes out and supports us. It means a lot to you guys. And that, that means a lot to us. So it's an honor to be a, a past champion there. And I hope, hope to get it another time or two. So, so looking at that last, uh, the time you won here in 2014, you really went on quite the run setting a PGA tour record, uh, with seven consecutive birdies to end the tournament. What was going through your head? you know, during that last <laughs> round down the stretch. Uh, I can, I can only imagine, but I'm curious to hear what you have to say. Uh, yeah, honestly, there wasn't, there wasn't much, there wasn't much going through my mind when you're truly in a zone like that. And at the highest, like awareness of, I'd say just your, your 
don't know how else to say it, but just like excellent performance, you know, based kind of mental approach. When you're in that moment, there's not much thought going on. Um, it happens a few times a year. I'd say a lot of times it's when we're at home with our buddies, just talking trash or having a beer and, you know, gambling with them. But to have it happen on a Sunday in a PGA tour event was really a dream come true. But I just was very in the moment. It just kind of happened fast. I wasn't reading the putts that much. I just kind of knew they were going in before I hit them. And I was honestly just having a lot of fun. My caddy at the time, AJ and I were just laughing a bit. We played with Nick Watney and we were telling jokes. And honestly, I didn't realize they were all seven in a row or 10 one putts in a row until we got done. And um, I was, I was really, really just looking at the leaderboard. And I just said, okay, we need one more. We need one more. We need one more. And just kept, uh, kept making them. But when we added them up, that you know, two and a half hours was, was just a really, really special time for me and uh, something we'll never forget. You, you mentioned there keeping an eye on the leaderboard. And, you know, I think that the fans who are, who are watching golf at home or out on the course uh, watching it at an event are always looking at the leaderboard. But I'm, I'm really curious to hear you talk about that. How often on a Sunday, if you know you're in condition, are you peeking up on those leaderboards uh, as you're going down the course? Yeah. I, I think it depends on the player, to be honest. Um, like I said, that, that Sunday I was looking at him pretty intensely because I was just saying, okay, I got to get another. It was, it was almost in like my, my mini tour days when we were playing these, these uh, you know, easier golf courses where you just have to shoot five, six, seven under each day to just hold your spot. You're just literally trying to birdie every hole until you're done. And that was kind of the mentality I had that day. I was just like, I got to keep going. I got to keep pushing you know, the other way you can look at those leaderboards is like, oh, I'm in third place or sixth place or whatever. Let's just hold on and, you know, collect a check and move on. But I guarantee, you know, the, the top, top players aren't thinking that way. They're like, we got to get another one. We got to get another one. And it's not saying that we have that perfectly each day, you know, but the, the days that you're great and you're playing well and feeling confident, just like, like this last weekend for me in, in uh, Columbus, I just knew I was hitting the ball where I was wanted to. I needed to keep attacking and making more to give myself a chance. And um, like I said, some days it works out, some days it doesn't. But I would rather mentally be able to go home after the week saying I had that aggressive mentality and not do it than say I tried to play safe and not do it. You know what I mean? So I just like for my for my own as an athlete and as a, my own mental perception to like finishing off tournaments, I want to go out aggressively for my own just sake when I get home I'm a lot more proud of it if I at least gave it my all and and played to win versus just played to not embarrass yourself <laughs> it's a very different mentality but sometimes you have you can have either one if you're not careful yeah so I've got a few other uh kind of quick hitting questions here uh as as we're going on um I think you know one of the big draws to the tour has been uh Tiger's return what's that been like from a player's perspective having him back around at these events uh, I mean, it's awesome. He, he, uh, he changes the landscape of a tournament. He changed the landscape of the tour of television of everything. Um, but I, I'm the most, the thing I'm most happy for him is he just seems like a more complete, happy, uh, athlete and, and seems to be enjoying his life out on tour more. You know, he seems like he's the big brother now to the, the guys out in Jupiter and to Ricky and Justin and, and, um, you know, to, to see him give back, to be more uh, social around the fans and high-fiving kids, I mean, that's incredibly great for the game. And, you know, we've all, he's been through a lot. We've all been through a lot, but he's been through a lot, and he, and he 
I think had a serious scare as if he'd ever play the game again, let alone ever live a life without pain. And so to now be able to, I mean, it's an absolute miracle for him to be able to have 180 mile an hour ball speed with a fused back. Like it just doesn't happen. So, um, for him to win the, that, that, that masters was just incredible. It was really incredible. So I'm, I'm happy for him and, and, uh, seems to be a complete, really happy person right now. And, I wish him, wish him nothing but the best. It's, it's great for all of golf and for all of our business when he's playing well. But more importantly, I think just, uh, you know, Tiger as a person, just want to see him happy and continue to compete for as long as he wants to. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 fun to, it's fun to go up against him. I'll say that as an athlete, that, that's a dream come true. Yeah, so each week on tour, you could be paired with a, a variety of players on, on uh you know, at any event, uh, you have a favorite player or a couple of players that you've been paired with, uh, that you really enjoy playing with. Yeah. Um, I've always been tight with Webb. Webb's a good buddy of mine. Uh, Pat Perez is hilarious. He lives right near me in Phoenix. He's a total knucklehead, but I love him. Uh, some of the younger guys are great. Ricky's, I say younger guys, they all call me gramps now. So <laughs> they're all the, like young guys to me, but, uh, you know, Ricky's a good buddy of mine and, and, uh, JJ spawn. He's hilarious. We have a great time living near each other in Phoenix. Uh, Bads is a great friend of mine. Chesson Hadley, I think is one of the funniest guys in the world. He's a great, great guy to play with. Um, I'll be honest. I mean, 98% of the guys out there are just awesome. They, they really, uh, I think are great to the fans. I'm excited for these young players. I think they really get it as far as how important it is to, treat our volunteers and treat our treat the kids out there the right way and um i think the health of the game of golf is is great and um i just hope we continue to grow it and it's a game that just uh is enjoyed by generations to come it's just i just love it so much and um i really feel fortunate i can do it for a living yeah when when you're out there playing uh an event with these guys and you're paired with them does it really depend on the player how much uh you guys are talking back and forth between the round uh you know, if, if you're with Phil and he's got a bunch of money riding on every hole, how are you, how, how, how is it like, uh, you know, when you're out there, you know, some guys just want to go about their business and just hit the ball and play yeah. or, you know, what, what's it like from your, your point of view there? Yeah, it's everyone's individual. Everyone's different and individual there. Um, some guys like to chat and talk about anything but golf while you're walking around. And some guys are kind of to their own and just want to do their business while they're out there. And, and I get and respect that. I, I tend to try and chat and hang out with the other players or the caddies a little more if, if possible. But um, I totally get it if they're, they're not into it. It's, it's, it's our business and some people go about it different ways. But like I said, for the most part, it's very social, very cordial and, uh, and really funny, to be honest, most of the time. The caddies are great. They've got some, always have great stories uh, going on. And, uh, you know, we, we do try to have a, have a little fun out there. I, I just, I know when I'm having fun and laughing and trying to enjoy myself i'm probably playing better golf in that mindset so i do try and kind of keep it keep it loose but uh you know there's times you're coming down the back nine of the the championships about to be decided you know the adrenaline pops in and everyone's kind of into their thing and uh the energy of the fans are around i mean imagine like jordan's feeling when that bunker shot got hold of travelers a few years ago i mean that's that's the moments we live for right there so uh it's fun it really is you played in all four majors uh so i've got a two-part here what's the toughest one that you've played in and then is there one uh major that would mean the most to you to win 
Um, obviously, the U.S. Open is is uh, is very challenging every year from from a golf course setup situation. They push it and push it and push it to the point it drives us crazy. <laughs> but they seem to always get that score where they want it. Well, with the exception of Aaron Hills, I'd say. But um, you know, they get the the course pretty much where they want it uh, the week of. And it's a heck of a test. Um, that can, that's just a mentally gruesome, tiring week. Now the British open, I'd say they set it up great every year. And it just depends on the weather. There's, there's weeks there that are just impossible because it's blowing 40 and it's raining sideways and you can't hit it more than 210 yards. But, uh, you know, the masters, you kind of know what you're going to get the, the pins, it, it does seem to get a little longer each year and, and, uh, and a little bit faster, but um, it's just probably the most special place to play, to play golf um, is at Augusta. And the PGA is kind of, I always say it's like a, it's like a souped up PGA tour event, but it does happen to have the best field in all of golf. And I, just, I think a lot of people don't understand that, you know, the Masters only has what, 89 players this year, top 50 in the world and, and champions, but they got a lot of past champions and, um, you look at the PGA this year, I think it had all top hundred players in the world. And from a, from a challenge of a field aspect, that is massively different. So, uh, field size and the depth of that field, the depth of that field and the players championship is honestly by far none the, the best fields we have on the PGA tour, the best fields in the world. So the other thing, looking back at my career in, in 13, and I was 14, I finished uh, second behind Tiger at the players and that's one of my more proud moments professionally too, just because the field that I beat, except for one guy, was uh, was the best in the world at that time. So um, those are kind of differences of all of them. As far as which one would I rather win, obviously I'd take any of them. But um, honestly, from a global, I think golf respect way, I mean, it's kind of crazy saying this, but I'd say the Open Championship goes down from a global standpoint as the golf tournament in the world. So I'd probably go with that one. Interesting. So one thing you said there, um, you know, that I'm curious to, to ask a little more about is, is the challenge of, of a U.S. Open. So the way Travelers has been set up, you know, the past few years, you're coming to play Travelers after a U.S. Open. What's it like going from a course where, you know, every single shot is challenging you to then come into a course like uh, TPC River Highlands here where, you know, most holes are, are birdie holes. Uh, you know, you've got drivable par fours. What's it like going from that tough U.S. Open to, to an easier course in some regards here? Yeah, well, it's just it's just kind of a fresh breath, to be honest. You just are so stressed over every single shot of the U.S. Open um, that it's nice to just get out there and see a fairway. And the fairways are literally twice the size. They're still normal PGA Tour size, but just compared to U.S. Open, the fairways are, are wider at, at uh, Hartford. But you know, that being said, the last few years, I think only like eight under and 12 under one. So uh, they've, they've started to increase the rough depth. And we had a little wind the last few years. And it was, uh, it was definitely more of a challenge. But, I mean, any, any golf course you come to after U.S. Open Week is going to feel easier and, and uh, more enjoyable to play. We'll say that. But it just kind of is a nice, nice breath, breath of fresh air when you get to Hartford after, after USGA event. So I've got two more here quickly to get, get you out on. Uh, you, you and Larry Fitzgerald have had some success playing together uh, over at Pebble Beach. What's it like getting to play with Larry Fitzgerald? He is one of my favorite people in the world. 
and not even from an athlete side of things, just from the type of guy he is. Um, he is as classy as it gets. A great story I'll tell, the truth, is when we won the AT&T, they get these big, beautiful uh, water crystal trophy to the, to the AM. And so we're taking the pictures with it, and uh, we fly back home. And um, about two months later, this box arrives on my front doorstep. It's a big wooden box. I got to get, you know, the nails. They got nails in it. I got to get my hammer out. I'm pulling out the nails and I open it up and there's uh, the, the crystal trophy. And he had called the tournament director, paid for it out of his own pocket. It was like seven or $8,000. He paid out of his own pocket for me to have a trophy as well. And it just was one of the classier things that, that, uh, that I'd ever seen. And so, I mean, he's a, he's a dear friend, regardless of him being arguably the best uh, receiver in the history of the game, but uh, he loves golf more than anything. He's, he's a great guy and do anything for you. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just really an honor to be his friend. So. Awesome. So Kevin, I'll get you out of here with this one. Uh, and it's a non-golf related question. You know, when you come to Connecticut, you're coming to a college basketball hotspot here. <laughs> you, you went to Duke. What's it like to be at a game at uh, Cameron Indoor? It's so much fun. It's I say there and Wrigley Field are my two favorite places in the world. But um, I'll tell you what, I hadn't been to a game in a number of years. And my best friend, my my uh, college roommate and best man at my wedding, Paul Tucker, has tickets to Cameron. And he, he said, this year, Kev, you got to come to the Duke-UNC game. And it was like my only off week in like a nine-week stretch. I go, dude, I would love to. I just can't. I got to be home when I can be home. So I couldn't. I didn't do it. I was so bummed. But then 34 seconds into the game, Zion blows out. Everyone's like, you know, losing by 25, and it's like the worst game of the season. So at the end, I was very thankful I didn't go this year. But uh, I do miss it. And it's the game The game has changed so much, as we've seen. Um, I don't necessarily think for the, the better, but uh, it just it just used to be fun watching guys for four years at your schools, and you got to know them, and you got to root for them in the league. And, and now it's just kind of like, it happens so fast. You almost forget who used to be on your team three, four, five years ago with these one and dones. And it's just not, it's just not, the, not the same, but I understand from their side, they have to do it too, because you get that much money thrown at you at that age. You have to, you have to take it. So it's just the way the game is set up right now. And uh, for the good of college basketball, I kind of hope it goes back to having to stay at least, you know, maybe like baseball does either you go before or you have to stay three years, but something to make it a little more, uh, a little more enjoyable for the fans. Yeah. Well, Kevin, thanks. But so- go Duke. I'll say that. Go Duke. Sorry, UConn guys. Go Duke. <laughs> Kevin, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Uh, and look forward to uh, seeing you out at TPC River Highlands in a couple weeks. Awesome. Can't wait to get there. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast with Jared Cutler. If you like the show and want to know more, check out the podcast on Twitter at CT Scoreboard Pod the host at Jared Cutler, and find us on Facebook at the Connecticut Scoreboard Podcast. Finally, if you enjoy what you're listening to, rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.